Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's been a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Bill Madden, who's VP of Logistics as a Service at Blue Jay Solutions. And today, we're going to talk about what does great look like in logistics. Now, when I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, the mayor of uh, New York City at the time, Ed Koch, was uh, famous for always going around asking, how am I doing? Right. And, uh, you know, that's a question that you know, many supply chain logistics uh, executives uh, ask all the time, too. But understanding how you're doing and, and especially how you're performing compared to uh, peers in the industry, you know, has traditionally been, uh, you know, a challenge. Um, you know, how do, can shippers answer that question today? Uh, you know, what are some important or critical uh, success factors in, in doing that? Well, that's kind of the main uh, topic that we're going to discuss in today's episode. And uh, it's great to have Bill with us in the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So Bill, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So Bill, uh, you know, it's been a long time since you, you and I spoke and, uh, you know, I think it's great to kind of just, to kind of just refresh our memories and, and, and really, uh, you know, provide some context before we kind of dive into this topic. Why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics, and, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Blue Jay. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, so again, thanks for having me. Uh, my, my journey, I, guess, I suppose like many, uh, was a, more of a case of I didn't really find supply chain. Uh, supply chain kind of found me. Um, I started a business at the age of 18 uh, building houses. So I was in the residential construction industry. Uh, I began to transition really into supply chain uh, I guess it was early 2005. Uh, since getting involved in supply chain, uh, I've done a little bit of everything, I suppose. Uh, I've worked on the dock, uh, loaded trucks, uh, managed drivers, and worked as a, a freight broker. Uh, but over the last 11 years, I've been working with uh, Blue Jay Solutions. Since joining Blue Jay, I've uh, held responsibilities, uh, I suppose, in each role across our uh, services group. And for the last six years, I've held responsibility for our logistics as a service team as a whole. Uh, this team uh, I work with today, we have tactical and strategic responsibilities really for that end-to-end uh, -end logistics execution. Uh, further though, we're supporting strategic planning, uh, continuous improvement really across the broader supply chain. Doing this today for uh, over two dozen shippers, and that represents about $3 billion in annual freight under management. Wow, great. Well, you know, going from bu building houses to, you know, uh, managing freight on behalf of, uh, you know, uh, shippers there, you, you know, on the surface, it might look like, uh, you know, big difference there, but I'm sure that there are learnings from, you know, your, your, your entrepreneurial days and building houses that have, you know, served you well in, uh, you know, your current role there. Uh, so, so let's get, you know, right, right to it then. I sure. mean, in, in the Talk of Logistics episode earlier this year, um, with one of your colleagues uh, there at Blue Jay, you know, we talked about data context and the relationship between metrics. You know, why is it important, you know, for shippers to understand these things, you know, data context and relationship between metrics? And, and can you share an example of why it's important? Sure, absolutely. So uh, that discussion uh, you had with Stephen Husk was really focused on turning data into uh, business value. Great topic. Um, that discussion kind of highlighted six key disciplines, I'll say, uh, when it comes to turning your data into business value. That roadmap kind of begins with data governance, uh, really kind of defending that quality of your data, and kind of walks all the way through adoption. Um, 
I'm going to layer on a bit, uh, really kind of hone in on elements of having and understanding uh, what the right metrics are for your business. Uh, the importance of using metrics in context uh, with the market, let's say, and then touch a bit on kind of converting that intelligence into action, ultimately uh, measurable results. So my appreciation uh, for data context developed very early on in my career. Uh, as mentioned, right, I, I was in that residential construction industry. Uh, I served as a general contractor and much of the direct labor uh, that I did was really on the framing components of projects that uh, I was managing. Uh, but I've always had an affinity for data. Um, so I tracked things, right, and built reports uh, to monitor items like uh, bid frequency, uh, what our win ratio was, uh, future bookings or those committed projects, which in that environment translates into how much revenue can I plan on over what kind of a timeline. And of course, all of those things uh, relative to all the standard fi uh, financial metrics you'd expect. Uh, so you know, towards the end of 2004, I really started to see some, some radical changes and some of my leading indicators or those, those metrics I developed. Uh, I was still having opportunities to bid on new business, often enough to keep my, my teams busy, uh, but compared to you know, years and even just recent months previous, the kind of the frequency of those uh, uh, requests for quotes were, were a bit on the decline. Ultimately, my, my pipeline was starting to shrink. Uh, so, even though my win ratio hadn't changed so much, I decided maybe uh, to slightly discount my pricing model, again, with the objective of building up that pipeline. Uh, I was in my mid-20s, uh, recently engaged. You know, Kids were on the, the horizon in the near term, uh, and I had lots of people who were counting on me to keep them busy. Uh, so really, that kind of drove this decision to maybe exchange margin for some uh, greater predictability. Uh, so when I made that decision, I was feeling pretty confident that, you know, that'd be a, sil a silver bullet for me, if you will. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, the change in my pricing model certainly did flow through to my financials, uh, and I'd forecasted that. But I wasn't seeing any change in my win ratio, and certainly my project pipeline uh, wasn't increasing as I'd anticipated. So, you know, I went out there and talked to people. Uh, I had coffee with many of the local builders each morning and over coffee started asking questions really to get a gauge of what others were seeing in the market. Uh, what I learned uh, was that many of them had also adjusted their pricing models uh, just recently and, and some of those were larger concessions than even I had made. Uh, and kind of stopping there for a moment, that, that was a pivotal moment for me. Uh, the first time I truly began to appreciate uh, there's influences out there at play that uh, I didn't necessarily have control over. Uh, it also reminded me of something a teacher had said to me once. Uh, behavior is a, a product of an organism in an environment. Uh, so to take that and kind of apply it here, right? Despite the changes that I had made, uh, the environment had changed. So ultimately, the net was my output basically stayed the same. So frankly, this, this experience uh, is what prompted me to consider changing a career path. Uh, looking back, I suppose I made a, a pretty monumental decision 
based on that data context. I'm glad I did. Uh, I was uh, able to use that data to initiate that initial change in my pricing model. Again, hoping in exchange I'd have uh, more committed work for the future. I was able to monitor that pipeline uh, with consideration to the changes I'd made in the cost components. And what I understood was my strategy wasn't effective. Um, ultimately using that data uh, to inform the decision to, to make a, a change in career path holistically. You know, I think what you described there is, you know, similar to what happens in uh, for a lot of uh, logistics operations as well, right? So you're kind of tracking things in your own little four walls, if you will. And you might think you're doing well relative to last year, or you might do, be doing re well relative to plan. But going back to your quote in terms of you're really operating in this market, in this environment with competitors, you know, so maybe you think you're doing well, but compared to your peers, they're actually doing better you know, in some of these metrics. So even though things might be looking, um, you know, it's all what you compare yourself to, right? And, and I think for a lot of the, um, the visibility to that external benchmark has always been the, you know, the, the, the challenge, right? So I think having that, in, that, that broader perspective to inform your decisions, I think is where a lot of, you know, su supply chain logistics professionals are, are trying to get to, you know, to, to, to do that. And, you know, which kind of leads me to my, to my next, you know, question. I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of interest as a result of that to, to, in performance benchmarking, you know, today. And, and when it comes to transportation, you, you know, the, the focus is typically on, on rate analysis, right? So are my rates align with everybody else's rates, right? Um, that, that typically is kind of the first order question that a lot of folks have. Uh, and there are different in this, you know, indexes out there right now in the marketplace that, that can help shippers benchmark at their rates. I mean, how should shippers use these indexes? I mean, what, what insights, you know, do they provide and, and why, why is it important to benchmark it, your, your transportation rates? Yeah, sure. Uh, so great conversation. And one I've had with you know, many supply chain professionals uh, over the last several years, um, uh, maybe another story, I suppose, just kind of tee it up. Uh, so growing up, I was a, a hockey player. Um, at the end of each season, I had a pretty fair assessment on, on my strengths, also my opportunities, because I compared myself to others on my team. And I was able to look at my team compared to other teams in my division, and certainly my division to other divisions, all to say uh, I had a pretty good assessment of uh, knowing where I stood. Um, I spent a lot of time in the off season uh, developing my strengths, really hoping to keep that edge on my competition while still rounding out my opportunities. Um, but I was working hard to be a better player. Uh, my core strength, uh, I would say, was skating, uh, agility, speed, uh, which all boded well because I was uh, playing right defense at the time. Uh, so while I trained, uh, I wanted to measure my development, right? So ways I did that, I, I was able to uh, track you know, my running a faster mile. Uh, I'm able to put more plates on the leg press, uh, maybe seeing seconds fall off my line drill time. Um, but between my freshman and sophomore year in high school, uh, I really put in my hardest off-season training, at least compared to prior years. Uh, and the extra work really seemed to be paying off. It was the time where I saw the most change in terms of time falling off my miles, line drills. Uh, I can even say I... Uh, I recall bench pressing 
the first time ever, one and a half times my body weight, which uh, I was hugely proud of at the time. Uh, so, you know, after varsity tryouts, when I learned I'd made the team as a sophomore, you know, my confidence was uh, off the charts. Uh, I distinctly remember a conversation with my uncle. Uh, he was asking, you know, how ready am I for the upcoming season? And I don't remember exactly what I'd said, but I think I used the word enforcer uh, to, to kind of describe how ready I was feeling. Uh, so I can imagine you, you can see where this is going. Uh, once the season got underway, uh, and again, being a sophomore in that varsity arena, uh, frankly, my stats just weren't adding up uh, to what you might expect of someone self-proclaimed enforcer uh, grade material. Uh, so why is that relevant, right? Again, an example of my, my environment changed. So despite all of my individual uh, improvements, um, now when comparing myself to the world around me, uh, it holistically changed my perspective. Uh, and, and benchmarking rates uh, is similar, right? It gives you context. It arms you with information needed to really understand, uh, but further differentiate your results relative to actions you might be taking within your business from those external influences, right? So as a shipper, uh, you might be looking at a year-over-year lane-level rate trend uh, within your network, and you could uh, conclude, let's say, rates have come down for you by 8% year-over-year. That by itself doesn't tell you a whole lot, uh, because if at the same time, the broader market saw rates decline maybe 10%, well, suddenly now that kind of indicates your rate performance, the market condition comparison there, were actually stronger last year, despite having just published that 8% savings. Uh, so it's important in today's environment uh, to really understand what extent of maybe some of the cost relief your business might be seeing today is a product of the market compared to maybe uh, continuous improvement. Uh, and I'll say, you know, those who take all of the credit this year uh, may find it quite difficult uh, in, in the years ahead because the inverse will happen, right? Uh, so what to do with that data? Uh, it's, it's really talk about it. For those that can articulate market impacts uh, around their, their cost performance in an effective way, They'll be able to share that with their business stakeholders and give them that knowledge. So when the market changes, uh, as we all know it will, uh, we've got a few chapters in that book. So again, putting that into perspective, you know, a few years from now, let's say we find ourselves measuring, again, year-over-year market rate increase of 10%. Uh, and as a shipper, my business has only increased by 8%. Uh, it's going to be hugely important that you've previously educated your business partners to really better understand how the continuous improvement efforts your team has been focused on have actually been measurably effective uh, in mitigating impacts from the broader market. Uh, those discussions are, are already challenging enough, uh, even when you have a fully educated audience. Yeah, you, you brought up a great point there in terms of, you know, uh, you know, education is such a, an important part of, of all this, right? In, in terms of, you know, the data tells you, you know, the data is one aspect of it, but then interpreting it and then putting it into the context, as you, as you mentioned, and then being able to effectively communicate that to all the stakeholders internally as well as externally that, you know, have, that are part of that environment that help influence 
you, you know, that I think is critically important because sometimes, you know, I've seen cases where you are, you as a shipper might be paying above market rates, but there is a good justifiable reason, you know, for that, because maybe on a particular lane, maybe you're servicing a very critical, you know, customer and you're, you're paying for quality, you're paying for reliability, you're paying for consistency, you're paying for that data visibility, you know, so many different things that might, uh, you know, factor into that cost, but being able to unwind that number, that data, and then be able to communicate that and explain that is yep. part of the, the objective here, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think sometimes, you know, particularly in transportation, there's always a lot of fixation on, on just the rates, right? You know, uh, sure. am I paying more? You know, what's the trending? You know, so this time of the year, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what their budgets are or what they should expect <laughs> next year versus this year. You know, we saw big differences between 2018 and 2019. Um, but, but there's more to that, right? I mean, when you talk about benchmarking, you know, there are things beyond rates that companies ought to be, or shippers ought to be, you know, benchmarking. I mean, what else should they focus on, you know, to gauge and improve their performance? Yeah, again, great question. Um, so uh, a, t a resource my team has developed in the last several months really is a set of industry benchmarks. Uh, for many of the metrics, I suppose, you'd expect a logistics professional to have in their uh, performance dashboard. So things like routing guide compliance, on-time performance, what percent of your volume is flowing to the spot market, and and. Uh, so we've adopted this capability really to be a standard component of our data analysis. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been extremely transformative. So... Now, unlike you know, rate benchmarks and, and what I described you can do with those earlier, uh, we do a similar exercise with those service benchmarks as well. Uh, I was participating in a business review here recently with a, a customer, and uh, as any good partner would, uh, we we're kind of reviewing what opportunities for continuous improvement we might focus on next. One of the metrics that fostered some really good discussion was primary carrier tender acceptance. Uh, with consideration to capacity commitments. Uh, the current month's performance while on site for the, the uh, business review was at 84%. Uh, and my team was positioning that you know, this is an area of opportunity. Uh, this is somewhere we should focus and, and look to improve. Uh, feedback from the customer was that uh, you know, they felt current performance was, was great. Um, that maybe we should be focusing somewhere else. Uh, so I took that opportunity and just asked, you know, in this case, what, what is your gauge for great? Uh, and the customer had a, a very uh, appropriate response and explained 84% uh, was a strong uh, performance level considering just 18 months ago, uh, they were only measuring at 71%. Uh, and then further, right, the, they've had a long-standing goal for tender acceptance to be at 80%. And it wasn't just until recent months. Uh, really the first time in years that they were meeting and exceeding that goal. So again, that, that all makes perfect sense. Um, however, when you know, we discussed the, the overlay of their performance with our, our quartile benchmarks, uh, the conversation changed considerably. Um, we discussed 18 months ago that 71% was considered third quartile performance but only a few points away from crossing that threshold into a second quartile. Um, however, in the most recent month, third quartile performance just spanned the spectrum of 88 to 92. 
meaning really the second and first or top quartile performance. The combination of those two only made up the range of those seven points between 93 and 100%. So very telling, right, that the industry as a whole had seen significant improvement in this area uh, across the board. So considering this shipper's performance at just 84% in the most given you know, month, uh, that pretty firmly puts them in the fourth or uh, the bottom quartile. So I'll, I'll take that one step further. Uh, we're talking about degrees of change. 18 months ago, uh, that measurement would have to be below 20% to be considered low enough uh, to call yourself a statistical outlier. Now, fast forward today, you'd only have to be below 60% to be low enough to be considered an outlier. So again, context is everything here. Uh, with that kind of a conversation, the data to go with it, uh, they, they understood that that 71% measurement was, frankly, uh, much stronger in the industry at that time than the 84% is in current conditions. Uh, but beyond understanding just the, that spectrum of performance or maybe the degrees of great uh, within one metric, where the magic happens uh, is when you really start to understand how changing performance in one metric might impact another metric. Uh, so I often describe the relationship between a shipper's metrics uh, to be much like a balloon, right? If you apply pressure in one area, you're likely to get a bulge, at least to some degree, uh, somewhere else. Working with dozens of shippers and leveraging this data into those conversations, uh, we've been able to validate it's, it's reasonable and achievable uh, to be in that, that first quartile of performance across the spectrum uh, and in parallel. And in fact, uh, we've got a, a number of shippers kind of demonstrating that equilibrium uh, where all of those metrics are in those upper regions of the quartiles. And when you're there, I mean, you can get very surgical with how you use this kind of data. Uh, an example, um, I was part of a conversation with a shipper earlier this year uh, and they were challenged by parts of their business to drive a 7% improvement in on-time delivery performance, uh, considered to appointment, uh, for just a subset of their, their stock transfer network. Um, uh, the piece of that discussion that we spent a fair amount of time uh, discussing was forecasting what kind of business changes might be required to get there, uh, what kind of costs might come with that, uh, if we're looking to achieve that, that level of delivery performance. So we went through an exercise. Um, we isolated comparable suds, uh, subsets, excuse me, of their network where those uh, performance standards were being achieved um, and effectively kind of created uh, performance bands, right? So 90 to 92 and a half, 92.6 to 95. And using those bands, we can then look at cost performance uh, compared to the rate benchmark, again, by service performance band. Uh, we settled on um, collaboratively making a decision to uh, make some slight tweaks in the business, things like modest increase to lead time uh, to support some transit requirements. That enables us to make some changes to routing guides. Those changes in routing guides, we were forecasting uh, a cost increase, we'll call it the equivalent of one and a half percent increase 
in terms of that delta to their benchmark. Um, and we believe by making those changes, uh, we were very confident we could realize a 5% improvement in on time. So then why, why only 5%? Frankly, the difference in cost to achieve seven compared to five was uh, quite a bit more expensive. So we were able to go through and review you know, the changes required to achieve that, that uh, original request, um, essentially tiering out alternative performance level solutions. Uh, and the stakeholders across the board being part of that conversation uh, agreed to pursue that 5% improvement uh, and considered that to be really the optimal solution overall. Uh, what was uh, most satisfaction uh, for me anyway was the end result, right? So uh, the team collectively, a uh, customer in our group, was able to uh, realize a 4.93% improvement on service. Uh, that cost impact only came in at 1.38%, again, that, that delta to benchmark. So said differently, right, we were able to get 98.6% of the forecasted service improvement at only 92% of the forecasted investment. So everyone was extremely pleased with those results. And, and I mean, really, this is, this is the kind of practices you can take advantage of when you're there. And I think everyone would agree this is really the fun stuff. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I think those are, those, those are, you know, both great examples there with the uh, routing guide and, and kind of looking where you were at 71% versus 84% and putting that in context in terms of what that, sure. what that number really meant. And, and now this example here. And I think, you know, the, the latter example also shows kind of the value of all this, uh, of why even do this to begin with, because at the end of the day, it's one thing to look at pretty charts and, and graphs and BI. And, you know, we talk about all these dashboards and metrics and so forth. But ultimately, you got to translate that into business value. You have to take that and take some action of some sort uh, to, to drive continuous improvement, to drive, you know, these benefits. So, again, this, this insight, you know, then uh, you know, has to get converted into, uh, you know, taking some action. Uh, sure. that the that the data suggests to, to realize the, the business value and, and benefits. So just looking at the data is not enough or having it, you know, you actually have to take some action, you know, to drive value. Uh, ultimately, I think that's a, that's a good example there. Um, you know, Bill, we're running a little bit short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my last question. I mean, uh, sure. you know, going back to the title of, of, the, uh, of this episode, I mean, when it comes to answering, you know, what does great look like? I mean, what is the first step for companies? I mean, how, how should they get started? Sure. So uh, I think the immediate answer, right, is use a point of reference. Um, you're missing an important part of the, the broader picture uh, if you're only using yourself as a baseline, whether it's through use of data like uh, Blue Jay's FMI or, or something else. Um, it's important to have that external context. Um, you know, those organizations that are really achieving the, the highest levels of performance not only have that external context, they've learned which of those metrics are most important to their business. Uh, they make those metrics available to the right stakeholders at the right time. Uh, they also understand how all these metrics tie together. But to your point, I think uh, what's most critically important is these businesses know what the operational drivers are behind those key metrics for their business. Uh, maybe one just quick example, right? So uh, routing guide compliance, um, which I would define as whether a planner or your TMS has an, uh, an active routing guide that matches the criteria for a shipment. It was applied, it became the routing plan with 
uh, without any kind of modification to, to the waterfall or, or rating structure, you get that shipment accepted uh, and executed by a carrier in your routing guide. So I'll pick that apart a little bit. Um, what are the operational drivers that are at play there? Uh, so if your routing guide compliance metric is uh, an aggregate a little bit low, uh, just keeping it simple, let's say that boils down to you've got a few areas of your network where you've got very critically low routing guide compliance, while overall the balance of your business is relatively strong. In that case, uh, I might suggest you've got a few broken routing guides. And you can remedy that uh, maybe through perhaps a mini bid. Um, as opposed to if your routing guide uh, performance was low, but that, that spectrum of performance and all the subsets of your network are all fair, uh, fairly comparable. Uh, in this case, it's less likely to do with uh, a few broken routing guides, more likely an upstream supply chain challenge. Maybe your lead times aren't reflecting what was communicated in your last bid. Or carriers are, are more uniformly unable to honor those commitments that they gave you. Uh, that might be leading to you know, scrambling for capacity on the spot market, but really knowing what actions are behind those operational drivers and connecting that back to the data, that's where, where change occurs. Kind of wrapping up with just four succinct points here. Uh, whether it's through use of data like the, the freight market index or some, something else, it's important to have that external context to really appreciate what great performance or even the inverse looks like. <clears throat> it's important to, uh, to differentiate your, your leading indicators like routing guide compliance, your key performance indicators, which things like on-time performance. Uh, Three, it's, it's vital to understand that balloon analogy for your business, how uh, those metrics interact with one another. Uh, but four, and, and maybe most important, really understanding uh, the operational drivers behind your metrics uh, so you can drive change and influence those hard performance metrics for your business. Uh, this is really the, uh, the first step in turning those identified opportunities into to action. So uh, great performance, it's obtainable. Uh, it's also sustainable. Um, what great performance look like uh, will change with the market. Um, and, and some people, frankly, will be more prepared than others uh, to weather the storm when things get tough. Uh, but understanding what that looks like and being able to articulate that message back to your business is also a critical responsibility I hope people take from this. Yeah, no, that's a great advice there, great points of, uh, of, you know, for folks to take away. And, and yes, I mean, I think that, that's the key thing here, right? What, what does a great look like? Well, the answer today is gonna to be different than it was you know, a year ago. It's gonna be different. Uh, the, the, the answer's gonna be different you know, sometime down the road. So you really have to keep asking that question. You really have to keep looking at you know, these sources of data, particularly the external you know, data to kind of have that frame of reference, that context. And then to the, to the last point there is then actually being able to take some action to maintain or stay great uh, relative to what's happening in the, uh, in the marketplace. Uh, Bill, again, um, you know, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, we always just manage to scratch the surface on these topics. We provided some great insights and advice. So again, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you too. It's always a pleasure. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Bill, 
you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care.